I'm going to take another month. I just, wow, thank y'all. What a joy to be back. I can't express what the last four weeks of just taking a time, as they called, a sabbatical. And uh, I had three weeks of by myself and one week with the family and just got time to breathe. And I just want to thank you. Uh, looking forward to today, but because I've been gone for four weeks, we're going to be here today for about three and a half hours. Are y'all ready? Um, y'all know that whenever I take a week of vacation, I come back and it's usually about 20, 30 minutes over, but this time it's been a little bit longer. So, But it is joy to, to be here with you. I haven't even looked at the uh, announcements yet. So uh, Wednesday night supper begins this week, uh, August 9th. We are having Chick-fil-A and then August 16th we'll resume our scheduled meals. And then also our senior adult luncheon is August 17th. Uh, at 11 a.m. at, I'm assuming, I don't know how to pronounce this. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it, here, on here it says L-I-O-G-H-L-U-S-E. So, um, the Lighthouse uh, Restaurant. Uh, I, I've been told that the last five weeks of preachers, that four out of five did really well. Um, there was one here uh, the third week, uh, Brother Randy, that we're still praying over. Um, but I know that all five did a fantastic job. I had an opportunity to watch several of them. And, and how about Scott last week just sharing his heart? Being so vulnerable to share with you all that he and his wife uh, had gone through. And I was actually praying before I left on sabbatical that he would share his testimony. That he would share with you. And when I heard at the very beginning, he said, I put everything down and I'm going to share with you something totally different today. I was like, praise the Lord, I am so excited. And I couldn't turn, I was watching um, live stream and it was just incredible last week. Let me go to the Lord in prayer as we begin today. And uh, just look forward to all God's going to do in the days to come. Father, we love you. We praise your holy name. Father, it is a joy to be here with family. Father, thank you for the time of resting and and being refueled. But Father, most of all, we want to glorify your name. You're so good. You're so good. And may we not take that for granted. And today, as we worship you, as it says, who can ascend the hill of the Lord, but he has clean hands and a pure heart. May we come today with a heart of purity before you. And may we lift up our praises to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you all glory. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here to worship with us today. Uh, We're excited that you're here. If you're a guest with us, we want you to take that welcome card that's in the seat back pocket right in front of you. Go ahead and fill that out. If you'll put that in one of our offering boxes at the back of the room, you'll get a little bit more information about Luke 418 Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that Brother David is back with us and can't wait to see uh, what God has has been working on him with and uh, and where, where we go from here. God's always faithful. And we can trust them. Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome someone around you to Luke 418 and we'll sing together. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Passion. 
I mean, all that we serve a God that, that doesn't change. That He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what that means for us is that we can trust Him. The same God of the Old Testament, of the New Testament, and today is the God that we serve. Amen? Let's sing together. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. Whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who opened up. I need you now to do the same thing for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. God, I need you now. Sing, oh rock.
Sing with me. You heard your children then. And he hears us now. You hear your children then. You hear your children now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answered prayers back then. And you will answer now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You were providing then. You are providing now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You moved in power then. God moved in power now. You are the same God. You are the same. Think about those things that you're still waiting on an answer for today and trust that he will be there for you. You freed. You freed the captives then. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touched the lepers then. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Oh God, we need you now. Calling on. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. Almighty River, come and fill me again. Come and fill me again. One more time. Come and fill me again. 
may be seated. Father, we know that you are exactly right here in this room right now. We know that you hear our prayers. You know that we are devoted to you, heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray that you would conform us to the mind of Christ today, that you would sanctify us and lead us where we need to go. Amen. I'm so glad that he didn't save us just to sit here, that he saved us for a mission and for a goal. And it's outlined in Matthew 28. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We pray that today, that God would open our eyes to those good things that he has for us to do. Let's sing, open the eyes of my heart today. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. Yes, I
rest of the voices today. Say he's holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. I want to see you. Amen. I love to hear God's people sing. God is worthy of our praise. You know, that's the one attribute of God that said three times, holy, holy, holy. There's no one like him. We can trust him with every part of our lives today. Let's sing, I've heard. And I've heard a thousand stories of what they think your life, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who you are and I'm loved by you it's who I am it's who I am Yes, and I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word, you're good, goodbye. Love, 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 you're a good, good 
Father, we know you have all power and all authority, and you chose a way, just as Dr. Shaddix told us, that was foolishness and weakness to the Lord, sending your son to die on a cross for our sins. But we know that the power of God is greater than anything that this world can think of. We thank you for that plan of love, that we might have a righteousness that is not our own, so that we can be back with you in right relationship and not just right relationship but a whole new life built up into a body that goes out to build the kingdom until you return to make all things new we look forward to that day when our praise will be absolutely never ending we pray that we would get all the practice we can today we love you in Jesus name Amen
Amen. Well, as I shared earlier, it is truly a joy to be back with you. I can't thank you enough for allowing me to have the time of rest that you, that you gave me. You know, 14 years of ministry and taking that time away, God taught me all, a lot. It took me the first two weeks just to be able to breathe. And then last Sunday after Scott preached, I was like, Sunday's coming. And I started to feel that burden and that pressure of, hey, I'm going to be before the church. And, and many of you said, David, I can't wait for you to get back because when Brother Fred took a sabbatical, his best message was when he came back. And I was like, Lord, there's pressure. But the Lord just showed me how real that, that pressure, that, that the pastors call it the burden of pastoring. And until it was removed for a few weeks, I didn't really know it or see it. I didn't understand it. I just continued forward. But now getting to see that and, and taking time of rest, the Lord is teaching me rhythms in my life that I may grow and have longevity in ministry. As Brother Al Jackson shared that his 40 plus years at Lakeview. Part of that was because of his times of rest and just seeking the Lord. And so I just want to say again, thank you. Uh, what an incredible time that, that I got to be away and just seek the Lord. And just so thankful for Brother Randy and Matthew and Brother Russell and Aaron, um, Martin and uh, Jennifer and Melanie and Debbie and uh, Miss Bonnie. I just keep on going, Russ. I mean, Everything went smoothly, at least they haven't told me yet, if not. Um, and I'm not going to share a whole lot. Well, I am going to share some today about what God taught me. The next three weeks, I'm going to do a, some topical messages. And all three of the next three weeks are things that the Lord really spoke to me during my time on sabbatical. And then after that, we're going to get into a series. As you know, I like to go verse by verse throughout the Bible. Um, Wednesday night, I'm going to share a little bit more in detail of some of the things the Lord taught me and showed me, um, but I haven't even met with the staff yet since I've been back. I got back Friday night, and uh, so I'd like to sit down with the staff and spend some time with them before I go into uh, great detail of some of the things. But one of the things that I wanted to do on sabbatical was I wanted to go to the mountains. Y'all know I love the mountains. And so while I was on sabbatical, I went to four mountain ranges. I was in Alaska. Uh, I was in the Grand Tetons. I was in the Ozark Mountains and then the Smoky Mountains. I just went from mountain to mountain. Because listen, Moses went up on the mountain and he heard from the Lord. And I said, Lord, if, if, if that's what Moses did, I'm going to do the same thing. And so I went up on the mountain and the Lord just, just met me there. But let me just tell you, he will meet us here today as well. Now, while I was on sabbatical, I wanted to grow my beard out, but Leslie told me that my beard is white, and people would think that I was Moses when I came back, so she wouldn't let me do that. But I want to answer this question today, and, and we just sang about it, and Brother Aaron and I didn't talk, so he prepared just seeking the Lord, and, and we sang in one of our songs that said, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. How many of you want to see the glory of the Lord today? And, and that's the cry of our heart. We long to see the glory of the Lord. And today, I want to just look at what the Scripture speaks about the glory of God. Now, I'm just going to be very transparent. I am incapable in my humanity of even 
coming close to comprehending the glory of God. So what we're going to do today is we're going to open up God's Word and we're going to let the Scripture speak to us today. And we're going to ask God just to pull back the veil slightly that we would see His glory. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, open up to Exodus chapter 33 and 34. In Exodus 33, Moses makes this profound request. He says, God, show me your glory. Before we read this passage, let me just give you a little bit of context here. God has allowed the nation of Israel to leave Egypt by sending ten plagues through Moses. In leaving, Pharaoh had a change of heart and his armies chased after them. But God, and it says in the scripture that, and I'll share this with you, but it just, you know, I'm just the childlike faith. I just love this. It says that with his nostrils, he opened up the Red Sea. And the nation of Israel walks through on dry ground, but then Pharaoh's army comes chasing after, and after they get through, he closes the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and the Egyptians no longer were in pursuit of them. God led them to the land of Midian, where Moses went up on Mount Sinai to meet with God. Moses was gone for 30, excuse me, 40 days, and while he was gone, the nation of Israel grew a little bit impatient. They said, Aaron, we need a God that would have brought us out of Egypt. We need a God to worship. And so Aaron says, throw your gold into the fire and out popped a calf. Now, I still think that's very humorous how it says it in the scripture. Out popped a calf, Aaron says. And as they were worshiping this golden calf, God says to Moses that I'm going to destroy him. Moses pleads with God and then he comes down and he, in his anger, he, he throws those tablets down and he addresses the nation of Israel. How have you already departed? How have you already walked away from God? God said that he was going to destroy you, but I have pleaded before you, before God. Moses then, after this confrontation, goes back onto the mountain God invites him back up, and I want to pick up in this in verse 17 of Exodus 33. I'm going to read Exodus 33, 17 through 23, and then we'll jump into 34 here in just a bit. It says, The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you show me your glory. And he said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, Behold, there's a place by me, and you shall stand there on the rock, and it will come about while my glory is passing by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. Let us pray. Father, We are in desperate need of you for all things. 
Father, on every subject of your word, we are in desperate need. But Father, I especially feel the need when talking about your glory. So Father, remove me out of the way and speak. And may we be like Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Father, we love you and praise you. It's in your precious and holy name. Amen. Moses is going back up onto Mount Sinai. And, and in verse 30, in chapter 34, at the beginning, he, God tells him, hey, cut out some stone, and then I want you to come back up and, and meet with me, and I'm going to do that which I have shared with you. You asked to see my glory, I will show you my goodness, and I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will go by, and then after I've passed by, I will remove my hand from you. When Moses asked this question, show me your glory, will you show me your glory? What do you think about in your mind when you think of the glory of God? For some of us, it's the, the majesty, the grandness, the greatness of who God is. We begin to just try to process and, and humanly we can't think because it's just so big and so grand. We're overwhelmed. For some of us, it's, it's thinking about creation and looking at the fingerprints of God on creation. For some of us, it looks kind of like this. Let me show you some pictures that were taken on my sabbatical. Now, I didn't put that rainbow in there. This was actually in Alaska on the mission trip. That rainbow was there for about five minutes. This is also in Alaska. Here I'm in the Grand Tetons. Maybe this is what... The glory of God may look like. You may be thinking something like this. Above the tree lines with the snow. Or what about this picture? And what about this? You know, I, I show you those pictures because oftentimes, and all of those were taken with my iPhone. Those weren't taken with some spectacular camera. And that is actually next to our campsite. So that's what I got to wake up to in the morning. And that's also uh, where I was able to take a bath um, at 50 degrees. The water, that is, not the air. Though it was cold too. It was 40 at night. Um, and then I came home to this here, and you, 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 can, you can pause that now for me in the back. But when we think about God's glory, it may be things like that, and you're like, David, like, that's awesome, like, to see God's fingerprints. Can I tell you, I'm looking at a fallen world. The scripture says that the world, the earth, is groaning for the day of restoration, if that's what the fallen world looks like, I can't imagine what it looked like previous. Church, we may have many ideas of what it means to see God's glory, but I want to answer it from Scripture. God answers Moses' question. He says, I will show you my goodness. It's interesting that God says, hey, you want to see my glory? I'm going to show you my goodness. What is goodness? It's an attribute or a characteristic of who God is. 
Moses says, show me your glory. God says, I will show you who I, who I am. So God speaks to him and says, okay, get, uh, in, in the beginning of chapter 34, he says, get some, some the rocks, and then I want you to head up onto the mountain by yourself, and when you get up here, I'm going to show you my goodness. Now, I want to stop there for a second and just say, the reason God told Moses to come by himself was because of his holiness, because he's set apart. But I also believe that one of the reasons that God called Moses up to the mountaintop was to remove the distractions in his life that he could hear what God was speaking. At church, let's just be very real. I was on the mountaintop. I was so far back in the woods that my cell phone didn't work. I could not make a phone call if I was in need of help. Praise the Lord, there were other people on the trail here and there. And I did have bear spray. But I was away from the distractions. What you saw there, the beauty, there was times I just sat and just said, Lord, I just got to sit here and just open my word and just read because this is so overwhelming. But how often, church, do we struggle with distractions? We can't hear God or see his glory because of all the distractions around us in life. How many of y'all at night use white or or brown noise? Have y'all heard of that before? Play some white noise for me in the back. Y'all, y'all, y'all have heard this before. Can y'all hear it? All right, stop it for a second. What is, what's the purpose of white noise? It's ultimately not to remove the other because you can't. You're, you're putting that over so that you don't hear the other noises. Like at night, people will play white noise so that they don't hear the hustle and bustle of a, of a busy city. Or maybe you have uh, a, and, and you can turn that completely off for me right now, but maybe you have a child at home and you want to hear them cry, but, 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 but you just don't want to hear just all the little noises here and there because you want to be able to sleep or you want the kid to sleep, right? And so instead of being, hearing all the other noises, they'll play something, some type of song or some type of white noise or something like that. White noise does not remove what's being spoken, but it keeps you from hearing the other noises. Church, I'm here to tell you that distractions in our life is like white noise. God is always speaking. God is always showing his glory. But the problem is, is that we begin to have distractions and white noise in our life that distracts us from hearing what God is speaking. Can I name some of those distractions? We're coming up on sports. College football, maybe. There's a little bit of that white noise. A little bit of distraction. What about the busyness of your schedule? As a friend says, busyness is being under Satan's yoke. The busyness of day to day. What about our cell phone? Man, you pick it up and you're like, oh, I've just got to check one thing. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, huh. What about social media? All of a sudden you're, you're distracted by this person's post and that person's post. And can I tell you their post is only showing the greatest highlight of their life, not anything else. What about news? 
Next thing you know, you've been surrounded by the news on TV for two hours saying the same thing over and over, but yet you've been distracted. What about TV in general? What about laziness? I've laid on the couch so long that, that now I just, and all of a sudden, the white noise, the, the distractions are so loud that that's all you hear is all that around you. You can turn that off. Over the past four weeks, I told you that I have been on different mountaintops and I could hear clearly because the distractions were removed. But can we get real? We can't live on the mountaintop. How are we going to see God's glory every day? How are we going to hear God's glory? But we must, we must recognize that we live in the valley with distractions all around us and we must discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. We must discipline ourselves to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, to be able to see His glory. Many of y'all saw on my wife's social media post, because I'm not on social media, that we got a new member of our family this past week. Well, that's me. I heard y'all saying all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, This is Millie. She's a uh, golden doodle. Um, This is also a prayer request. Um, You know, on my sabbatical, I got to read several books, several just godly books. And one of the best ones was How to Train a Golden Doodle. And... uh, One of the things it said in there was so powerful. It said, when you go to speak to your golden doodle in English that it doesn't understand, you will not be able to portray what you're saying until you have their what? Attention. I was like, man, I needed this for parenting. So I realized, I went for a walk yesterday with this dog. And we were, you can take that off the screen. We were walking and I didn't even put the leash on. The dog stayed right next to me the whole time. Twice it got distracted, sniffing around. And I was like, okay, I can't call the dog until the dog sees me and is back, has my attention. So I I said, Millie, that's the name of the dog, Millie. And I, I, finally, she saw my attention. And once she saw my, got my, I got her attention, she immediately did what I asked her to. Now, I was surprised because that probably won't happen many other times in life. But I had to get her attention. Church, if we want to see the glory of God every day, if we want to hear God's voice, I'm telling you, we must discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness to hear and to see what God is speaking to us. Jesus went away to talk with God. Are you willing to lay down distractions in your life to hear and to see the glory of God? Moses goes up on the mountaintop and we pick up in chapter 34 and and Moses is is put into the, the side of the mountain. God walks by and this is what he says in walking by. God is showing his glory. He's showing his goodness. And check out what he says in verse 6 and 7. This is profound. It says, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, I am, I am compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, keeps loving kindness for thousands 
and who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin. And then he says, yet he will no, by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and on the grandchildren and on the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste to bow his head. Now, I just want to say to you, all my life I've thought about the glory of God and I'm always thinking about the majesty and the greatness. And let me tell you, all of that is right. It is the majesty and greatness and and, uh, grandeur of who God is. But here, when Moses asked to see the glory of God, God doesn't show him a mountain. God doesn't show him creation, though it's incredible. God shows him his heart. God takes him to who he is. And he says, I am compassionate. I'm gentle. I'm gracious. I'm slow to anger. I'm abounding in truth. Church, God shows Moses his glory by speaking of his attributes of who he is. Church, this is coming off the hills of the nation of Israel just making a golden calf. You would expect God to say, let me show you my glory. I'm wholly set apart and the wrath of God will come against those. That I'm wielding a a, a gavel in my hand. That there is anger because of what they have done. But he says to them, he's compassionate. He says to them that he is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, abounding in truth. And then, after that, he says, and yes, there is punishment for those who are guilty. For those who would not come to God. For those who do not seek forgiveness and repentance. Can I just ask for a moment? Would it not cheapen the attributes of God if he was not also just? Why do we need the compassion and the grace and the mercy of God if there is no judgment for those who have turned away from God? It would cheapen haven't preached in five weeks and didn't know that was there. It would cheapen All the attributes of God. Why would we need or desire compassion if there was no just? You know, it's interesting in Deuteronomy chapter 9 when Moses is kind of repeating to the nation of Israel before they go into the promised land this experience. And he says to them in Deuteronomy 9, he says, You have provoked God to anger. What he was saying was, is that when you came out, you were a a stubborn people. You built this golden calf, all these different things, and y'all were provoking God to anger. Can I tell you what's beautiful about this? Is that it never says in the scripture that God has to be provoked to compassion. It never says he has to be provoked to being gracious. It never says he has to be provoked to have loving kindness. It doesn't say that he has to be provoked to be abounding in truth. He doesn't say that he has to be provoked to forgive our trespasses. But it says that you provoked the anger. Church, what is our view 
of God's glory. I did read one of the best books I've ever read in my life on sabbatical, Gentle and Lowly. Anybody in the room read this book before? Nobody's read it. One's read it. Everybody needs to read it, right? And I love what he says in here. Speaking about God's glory, it says, The Christian life from one angle is the long journey of letting our natural assumptions about who God is over many decades fall away. Being slowly replaced with God's own insistence of who he is. This is hard work. It takes a lot of sermons and a lot of suffering to believe that God's deepest heart is mercy and gracious and slow to anger. The fall in Genesis 3 not only sent us into condemnation and exile, but the fall also entrenched in our minds dark thoughts of who God is. Thoughts that are only dug out over multiple exposures of the gospel over many years. Perhaps, perhaps, Satan's greatest victory in our life today is not the sin in which you regularly indulge, but the dark thoughts of God's heart that caused you to go there in the first place and keep you cool towards him in the wake of the sin. Man, I just, as I read that, I began to think, how often do we put God's glory in our human, fallen mindset? And God is saying, you want to see my glory? First off, you can't see my face. You would die. But he says, you want to see my glory? I'm going to show you who I am. I'm compassionate, loving kindness, abounding in truth gracious and I don't have to be provoked to any of that that is flowing out of my heart constantly towards you church if you were here last week it goes hand in hand with what Scott pastor Scott said Jesus is weeping with us in our pain and in our suffering church Moses went up on the mountain and God spoke to him of his glory, speaking of his attributes, of his character. So the question then is, how do we see God's glory today? You can't look at at God's glory and live. You, You know, he had to be hidden in the cleft of the rock. Well, praise God, the scripture speaks to that because it says in John chapter one that Jesus emptied himself and he came to this earth. And look at what it says in John 1, 14. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we saw what? His glory. We saw his glory. I'm telling y'all, like I'm like getting like Holy Ghost chill bumps thinking about this. Try thinking about this with no distractions up on the mountaintop. God said that he has showed us his glory through his son. Through his son. Church, let's just think about this for a second. Jesus is, is on this earth, and, and, and you all know in John 14, where it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then Thomas, the famous words, well, how do we know where you're going, and how do we get there? And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? But right after that, Philip asked a question. Verse 9, it says, Philip said to the Lord, show us the Father, 
and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And church, Jesus wrapped himself up in 100% humanity, though still being 100% God, and allowed the glory of God to be shown to the people. And if you don't believe me, think about the attributes of Jesus. The Bible says in John 1.14, he says that Jesus, that the Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We saw his glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. What were some of the attributes that God said to Moses? I'm abounding in truth. I'm gracious. God also told Moses, hey, I am compassionate, right? He, he speaks that to him. What did Jesus say as he walked this earth? He's full of grace. He's full of truth. He says, I am the truth. And then what about Matthew 9, 36? When Jesus sees fallen people, what the world has done, what Satan has done to them, and now they are wandering like sheep without a shepherd, it says, seeing them, he felt what? Compassion. How often do we say, seeing me and my brokenness and my junk and all my hurts, God sees with his gavel. And Jesus saw us and he had compassion. What about Matthew 14, 14? When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt what? Compassion on them and he healed their sickness. Church, why were they sick? Well, I can tell you why they're sick. Because of Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, the fall of man, sickness and all these things came into the world all because of the disobedience of Adam and Eve before God. Jesus feels compassion over what the fall has done to his creation. And he heals them. And he heals them. What about Romans 5, 8? Jesus was abounding in loving kindness. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we're sinners, Christ died for us. Remember, the scripture tells us that God speaks to Moses that, that I am full of loving kindness and God, through his son Jesus, demonstrates his love. Jesus loved us all the way to the cross. Or as the scripture says, to the end. To the end. He loved us. So you may say, well David, no one could see God. And Jesus, yes, I get that. He was wrapped up in, 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 in humanity, but he was able to bring God's glory here on this earth. I get that. But, but David, don't you remember that he died, he rose again, and then it says that he ascended to heaven. You're, man, you're right on. He did ascend to heaven. But let me take this a step further. You want to see God's glory every day? John 1.1 1, 1 says this. The Word, in the beginning, the Word was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who's the Word? 
In John 1.14, the Word became flesh, and that is who? Jesus. But in case you're not following, if that's not clear enough, let me just jump to Revelation 19.13. Jesus, in His second coming, it says, He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called the Word of God. Can I just tell you the Word of God Second Timothy says, as all, all, as all scriptures God breathed, Hebrews 4.12 says, the word is alive. So how do we see, church, the glory of God every day? We remove the distractions that keep us from hearing God, and we look to Jesus. We look to the Father. How? By being in his word. Uh, think about this for a second. The Word, and I know I'm going to be late today, I'm sorry, I promise we'll get done in like 10 minutes or so. But Jesus, and the Word, and the Father, and He says, yes, Jesus has ascended, and He's actually up there um, continually, continually speaking to the Father on our behalf. But He's given us His Word, which shows us His glory. Church, you want to see the glory of God? You've got to let this wash all over you. You've got to get in this. You've got to remove the distractions. I know that it's easier on the mountaintop, but we live in the valley. And let me tell you, when you remove the distractions daily and you dive into this, you're going to see the glory of God by Him expressing who He is in this book and by Him expressing how He loves you. But it goes on. Moses went and saw the last parts as Jesus, as God walked and removed his hand, and he saw the goodness, the glory of God, and God spoke to him all these things, and then he comes down the mountain. And when Moses comes down the mountain, there was a noticeable difference. A noticeable Exodus 34 at the end, in verse 29, it says, It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand. And as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin on his face shone because of his speaking with him. The next verse says this in verse 30. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face, it shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Church, I love this. And here's why. Because when you see the glory of God, when you abide in his word, you too will have a Moses experience where your face will shine and there will be a noticeable difference in your life. If you don't believe me, let me just show you scripturally how this is true. Y'all know that one of my favorite passages is John 15, 5. It says that we are to abide uh, in Christ. It says, I am the, uh, the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we know theologically that the way that we bear fruit is not in our own power or in our own strength. It's from the source of life. It's from God. It's from the, the Son. And it's from the Holy Spirit that bears that fruit in our life. 
So what is that fruit? Y'all know this. I've taught on it a hundred times, but I want to connect a dot here. In Galatians 5, 22, here's the fruit of the Spirit that comes forth from your life when you're abiding in the Word, which means that God is showing you His glory. And I hope that these words ring a bell. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Moses says to God, show me your glory. He says, I'll show you my character. My character is loving kindness. It says that part of the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. He says, God, show me your glory. And he says to Moses, I will show you my goodness. He says, I'll show you my glory. I'm going to show you my faithfulness. That, that, that truly what I say is going to take place. I'm going to show you my gentleness. I'm going to show you who I am. Church, the fruit of the Spirit is the glory of God reflecting off of your life because you have been in the presence of the glory of God. It's not something that we can work up. Listen, I've shared this before, but the moon has no light in it. But the sun hits the moon and reflects back to us and we see this beautiful moon. Church, that is us. When we look on the glory of God by being in his word and letting his word wash over us, then the glory of God reflects off of us to others around us and they see the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience and goodness. It's self-control. It's faithfulness. Church, do you truly want to see the glory of God? Because if you long to see the glory of God, it's not waiting for some supernatural moment. It's not, okay, when, when the wind comes in here and the doors fly open and, and the lights begin to, to, to shake and, 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 and all these different... No, we can do it every day. We can see the glory of God by opening up the Word of God. And when we do that, the world's going to see the reflection of God's glory. Nothing that I could do in my own power and strength. But simply because I've said in the presence of the glory of God every day. Church, as I close, I pray that we would take a biblical approach on seeing the glory of God. Our human minds so easily get fixated on the punishment, the pain, all I've done wrong. And it says throughout his scripture that he's never provoked to goodness because he doesn't have to be. But it does say that he has to be provoked to anger. Church, may we say that we're going to remove the distractions in our life that we may have the mountaintop experience as Moses did right here in the valley because our world around us needs to see the reflection of God's glory so that we can point them to the source, which is Jesus.